0: All right, so we are in um, our second and final week in the All In Sermon Series. Um, the All In Sermon Series really is just part of a longer journey that we've been on together for the last two years. Last week, we got together and talked about the last two years and, and all that God has done and God's faithfulness to our church as he's called us to follow wherever he would leave in complete obedience. And so this week, a couple of things. Um, we're going to start talking about the future and where we're headed, um, and what God is calling us to be as a church. We're gonna shift away from what it means to be all in as an individual and talk more about what it means to be all in as a church, as a community. Um, but before we even do that, can I just do a couple things? First of all, let me tell you what we don't mean by all in. First of all, um, that God protect us from that ever becoming a clever campaign slogan um, or some kind of catchphrase um, that we use for marketing. Like when we talk about all in, Um, We're not talking about becoming a different church. What we're talking about is a deeper level of devotion and commitment to who we already are and who God has already called us to be. And so we never want that to be a clever catchphrase that has no substance or meaning uh, for us as a church. What we believe as a church is that Christ has called us, each of us individually, um, to first consider the cost of what it means to follow him and then to follow him all in. Um, He presents that invitation in Luke 9 this way. If anyone's going to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and come and follow me. And so, as Christ's followers, we are individually called to follow Christ all in. It's a level of devotion and commitment and surrender. And so, today we're going to talk about what does that mean then as a church to do that, to follow God all in. And so, we're going to be in Isaiah 42 this morning. If you want to go ahead and turn there, Isaiah 42, it's in the Old Testament. Isaiah is one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about what we're gonna be reading before we read it together. So in the book of Isaiah, um, starting in chapter 42 all the way to chapter 53, the prophet Isaiah records four songs, and these are referred to oftentimes as the servant songs. Now what's interesting about these songs is that God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Israel about really two things. He's talking to the nation of Israel about his future desire for them. He's laying out a vision for them to become his servant on earth to the nations. But he's also talking about a specific servant who will come. A suffering servant that we read about in Isaiah 53 who will come and ransom ransom people from Israel their sins and so what's interesting though about these songs is God kind of moves back and forth between talking about the nation of Israel as a servant to talking about a very specific servant Christ who would come and die for the sins of the people and what's interesting about that as we see today is that how that applies to Solid Rock Church that um, how God compares us as a church to Jesus himself and so in Isaiah 42 we'll start in verse 5 together read these words, thus God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. So thus says God. So before God, says anything else to the nation of Israel or lays out any future vision for them to follow in and to obey, he establishes again his identity and his authority for them, right? Thus says God, the Lord, who created everything. So when we ask the big questions about existence, how did nothing become something? right? Wasn't a bunch of nothingness out there colliding at just the right moment under just the right conditions, and then boom, matter happens. We know how that happened, right? Nothing became something because God spoke it with authority into existence. And then when we ask, well, then how did this matter, Uh, come together to form life? Was it this collision of just gases and matter and all the right elements on the periodic table coming together at the right moment, under the right conditions, and boom, there's an explosion, or boom, now we have single-celled organisms? Well, God answers that question and says, no, I spoke life into existence. And then he continues on, not only is God establishing his authority as the creator of all matter and all life, he says... Not only did I spread out the earth and what comes from it, but I give breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. At the pinnacle of God creating all that is, he created human beings and he set us apart and put his spirit and his image on us. Nothing else in creation bears the image of God like we do as his image bearers. And so God is establishing his identity and his authority as our creator before he lays out a future vision and calls us to it. Why is that important? Here's why that's important, church. Listen, if we don't believe this is who God is, we will never obey his commands. We will never step forward in faith and follow the future vision he has for us as individuals or as a church. Are you with me? Until we come to a place where we say, Thus saith the Lord. He's the one who created the heavens and the earth and all who live in it and set us apart as image bearers. Right? Because here's the thing: He's gonna call us to do hard things. He's gonna call us to do things that don't make sense to us. He's gonna call us to do things that that will cause us to, to question whether or not we can pull it off. Maybe, maybe you heard this video clip on the Philippines and you thought, man, I really feel like I should consider going, but I couldn't afford it. I can't take off work. And all these reasons why you can't do it came to mind. Right? So so we're never going to step out in faith and follow in obedience until we hear the voice voice of the Lord as one of authority. And so God reestablishes his identity and his authority with the nation of Israel. And from there, he's going to lay out for them a future vision. First part of verse six says this, I am the Lord, and I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. Now, the first thing God says is, I'm calling you into righteousness. When God says that, he's not calling us to be good people. He's calling us to be pure, to be blameless, to be completely righteous we've got a dilemma don't we how do I become that like I was okay with just being a good person because when I look around the people around me my neighbors my co-workers I think I measure up okay I'm a pretty decent person but that's not the invitation that God just extended to the nation of Israel I'm calling you to be righteous set apart blameless And so then we ask the question, well, how how do I become that? And God answers it. Here's how you'll become that. I'll take you by the hand. I'm going to do this in you. I'm going to take you by the hand and lead you into righteousness. To do for you what you can't do for yourself. We begin to hear the gospel, don't we? We begin to understand God's future provision that he would create a way and make a way for us to become righteous in Christ. A righteousness that doesn't come from being a good person, a righteousness that comes from faith. And so as God calls the nation of Israel to righteousness, he follows that up with, here's how you're gonna become righteous, I'm gonna take you by the hand and make you righteous. So when we, as individuals, trust in Christ, he not only forgives our sins, he makes us righteous. But then comes another dilemma, holy cow, how do I stay righteous? Because as soon as God saves me and forgives me and sends me along my merry way, what am I going to do? My first step, I'm going to derail the whole thing, and now I'm unrighteous again. And God, again, addresses that. He says, "I will, here's how you become righteous. I will take you by the hand, and I will keep you. How about that? I will keep you in righteousness as God is speaking to the nation of Israel about what is to come, he's talking about sending his son Jesus to the earth that we might have forgiveness of sins and righteousness and eternal life through faith in him. And so he says to the nation of Israel, I've called you into righteousness, that's right, and I will take you by the hand and I will keep you. This is who I am and this is what I will do. Now, the second part of verse six, I think is really interesting. Look at what he says next. I will give you as a covenant for the people who sit in darkness, a light for the nations. Now, what we might expect God to say is I'm gonna give a covenant to you. That's not what he says. He says, I'm gonna give you as a covenant. Now, what God is speaking about here is, in fact, the new covenant that we have in Christ that was inaugurated by Jesus and ratified by his blood. We just celebrated this last Sunday through communion where Jesus, right, he says, take the cup and drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so we know that God sends his son to the earth to inaugurate and to ratify with his blood this new covenant. But God isn't saying to Israel, I will simply give you a covenant. He's saying, I'm giving you as a covenant. I'm giving you as a covenant for the people who sit in darkness, a light for the nations. God is looking forward through the nation of Israel's future and saying, listen, I'm gonna do something through you This covenant I'm giving to you to take you by the hand, make you righteous, and to keep you in righteousness. Listen, I'm gonna give you to the nations as a covenant. What's beautiful about this is you and I sit here today in that pipeline, in that future vision that God was laying out for Israel. We sit here today as recipients of that new covenant. Right, the work that God is doing in our church is an ancient work. It didn't just start last year or two years ago or 10 years ago or 30 years ago. You sit here today if you are in Christ as a recipient of this covenant that God gave to the nation of Israel to disperse among the nations. To take the gospel first to Jerusalem and then to the Gentiles and God is speaking Hundreds of years before Christ ever comes to the Earth, and he's saying, "Listen, I'm going to do something in the future through you. I'm giving you a covenant, and then you're going to take that covenant to all nations. You will take it to people who will sit in darkness, and you will be a light for the nations.. And we think about what it means to be a light. What's interesting is when we get to the New Testament. In the same way the prophet Isaiah talks about the nation of Israel as the people of God and he calls them a servant, but then he also calls, right, looks to Jesus as the servant. In the same way in the New Testament, Jesus himself is gonna call himself a light, but guess what he's gonna call us? He's gonna call us a light as well. Matthew chapter five, starting in verse 14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So what God is saying to the nation of Israel all the way back in Isaiah 42 is this, I am the Lord. I am going to rescue you, and then I'm gonna send you into the world as a conduit through which I will rescue the nations. I'm gonna make you a light so that that light will shine into darkness. And now we sit here today as the church. The church is to be the light into the world that pushes back against darkness. You don't have to look very hard in 2019 to see the evidence of darkness in the world. Now, rewind about 40, 50 years ago, if you weren't attuned to international news, right, it was easy to get caught up in this idea that American, America is this Christian nation and all is good, all is well, all is, all is safe and sound, right, because we have the cleavers, right, right? If you, if you know what I'm talking about, you're laughing. You're, you're from my, yeah, you remember like all is well. Everything is prim and proper. Mom and dad never get mad at each other. Children always obey. And when they disobey, it's just little, little silly stuff. And we get over it. And brothers and sisters never fight. And all seem well. Christendom was alive in the United States. We called ourselves a Christian nation, but, right? But not so anymore, Right, Christendom is, if not dead, it's dying, rapidly. And we are no longer a Christian nation. And darkness is falling all around us. You look at the international stage and it's easy to see. From genocide to infanticide, we see brutality and evil running rampant all around the world. What the apostle Paul calls the darkness of this present age. And so when you think about all the darkness of the earth, we ask the question, where is hope? And God looks at us, the church, and says, you're the hope. You're the light that's supposed to shine in the darkness, to push back against the darkness and welcome people into safety and say, come here and taste and see, the Lord is good. We are the light of the world. A city on a hill isn't supposed to be hidden. Verse seven is one of my favorite verses in all of the book of Isaiah. Because when we began to become this light in the midst of darkness, here's what happens. Verse seven, to open the eyes that are blind and to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. God has sent Jesus to rescue to rescue people from the dungeon, to rescue people from the darkness. The church is meant to be a place of rescue. Can we get that? We're supposed to be a place of refuge in this world, a safe haven, right? A place where people can come in and just take a deep breath and rest for a moment before we walk out the doors back into a world that is full of darkness. The church is meant to be a place of rescue where the light of the gospel opens eyes, the eyes of the blind. The church is meant to be a place of rescue where the light of the gospel sets prisoners free. The light of the gospel is meant to provide a safe haven from the darkness of this present age. And when the gospel goes out from the church, the church becomes a beacon of hope that draws people in. Let me just just share with you a a small part of how this happens. How people who are sitting in darkness see, see the light of the church and then they come in. Here's some examples. When the people who are walking or sitting in darkness hear that they can be saved by grace through faith, they come and see when people who are sitting or living in darkness encounter Christ's followers who are real and honest and sincere, they wanna come and see. When people who are living in darkness see the compassion of Jesus in the face of his people and hear the hope that we have in Christ and his invitation, they come to see. What is this all about? What goes on at your church? You're real, I see a compassion in you that I don't know of anywhere else in the world where I've ever seen that kind of compassion. I see a a love radiating from your life for me and you don't even know me. And that begins to draw people in. Verses eight and nine we're gonna begin to talk about what it means to be a church all in devoted to Christ and how that causes the light of the gospel to shine all the more brighter because here's the reality. Church, listen to me. Two things. One, just because we call ourselves a church does not mean we're the light of the world. Okay? The steeple on top of this building does not declare this place as the light of the world. Those things don't bring hope. Buildings don't bring hope. People do. And so as we continue in verses eight and nine, God again establishes identity. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols before the former things have come to pass. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So God is saying to the nation of Israel, over six centuries before Jesus comes to the earth, I'm gonna do something through you. Something that, that impacts the nations. You are gonna become a light to the nations. I'm telling you before it happens. This is what I'm gonna do. And so the question remains, how do we become a church that is a light to the world? What is it that causes us to either shine brighter as a light to the world, right? Or to be dimmer, to shine less as a light to the world. I'm gonna walk through um, our vision statement and how this applies um, to us as a church we we have a vision statement and you hear it in almost every service that we have been called by God to make disciples for Jesus through gathering and worship so we do here on the weekends growing together in community and then living the mission in our everyday lives so let's talk for a minute how when we surrender our hearts all in in all three of these arenas of the Christian life, how the light of the gospel becomes this huge beacon of hope that reaches the nations. I I love it, embedded in chapter eight is this call to worship, did you see that? I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. That's a call to worship. That's a call to exalt God and set him apart in our hearts. It reminds me of what God said in the 10 commandments. You know what the first commandment is in the 10 commandments? You shall have no other gods before me. Now, the misinterpretation of that commandment is that somehow God is saying, I don't wanna be second in line or third in line um, in in the list of your, your gods and things that are important to you. God is saying, I don't want there to be a line. Before my presence, you shall have no other gods. I don't want to be the, your favorite God or your favorite thing in life. I want to be the ultimate object of your affections. I want to be supreme in your heart, in your mind, in your life. And he's calling us into worship here and God has reminded the nation of Israel that they have been called together as his people and to exalt his name and he will not share his glory with anything else. God has called us to worship. So what does it look like to be all in, in our worship? I was thinking about what Jesus said when he was asked about the greatest commandments. It's funny, because Jesus goes here as well, and he sums up the commandments by saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. What is he saying? With everything that you are, all in, love God. Listen, we will become a light to the world when people who walk into this place see the glory of God when we gather in worship. And when they see the glory of God in everything that we do and everything that we are, they will see a church committed all in, right? And that's gonna attract them in. They're gonna say, these people love God more than they love themselves, these people are about exalting the creator of the universe and I want to be a part of that. We are the light of the world when people see the glory of God in our worship. Now listen to me. Worship happens in more places in life than just in this building. Worship happens when you follow God's law and obedience. He calls you to not murder and you don't murder. Like that's, that brings glory to God and that's an act of worship. You laugh, but husbands, when God calls you to lay down your life for your wife as Christ laid his life down for the church and you obey that command, that's worship. You follow me? Worship can happen in a lot of arenas of life. God calls you to have a conversation with a coworker and tell them about your trust and faith in Jesus. That's an act of worship. Worship can happen when you're on your way to work and you're driving your car and you've got your favorite worship song on and you're singing at the top of your lungs, you're exalting God, that's worship. But what we're talking about is when we gather together in worship, there's something sacred about that. There's something special about the people of God coming together to exalt God. And so when we talk about being all in as a church, we're talking about our worship. But we're also talking about community. Um, Not every one of you had a chance to go to the men's retreat this past weekend. Um, and, and the few of you who did, hopefully you got to experience something real and authentic. Um, at least the group that I was with, man, things got real in a hurry. Like really quickly, the Holy Spirit of God ushered us into a time of confession of sins and being transparent with one another, like real stuff. No, no hiding anymore kind of stuff. Listen, that doesn't happen anywhere else in life doesn't. The only place that happens is in gospel community, a place where we can be fully known and still fully loved. Think about that. How scary is it to, to hear that God wants you to be fully known? Does that make you nervous? Like, really? Like, fully known. All your flaws, all your corrupt thoughts, everything that you've done, fully known. But then God says, and still fully loved church, he's called us to reflect who he is. That's how God receives us. He fully knows us. He fully loves us. He says, church, go bear that image in the world. When we talk about gospel-saturated community, we're talking about a place to come in and to be real, to be authentic, a place where you can boast in weakness and encounter the grace of God. The light of the church has nothing to do with buildings, it's the spiritual DNA of the people inside the buildings. The gospel empowers the church to be a safe place of transparency. You know, I think the phrase come as you are has been hijacked in many ways by the church over time and we've lost sight of what that actually means, come as you are. Come as you are is not just a clever phrase to get people to show up to your weekend services. Come as you are is the invitation for souls to abide in covenant relationship where we can be fully known and still loved. Not just come as easy come, easy go relationships, where's the eject button in case things get uncomfortable, where's the parachute rip cord in case I don't like something that you say, but deep abiding covenant relationships that say, I'm not walking out on you. Things may get weird, things may get awkward, you, I may say something that hurts you and, and you have to come talk to me about it, but I'm not going anywhere. Deep, abiding, gospel community. Without that, nobody wants to be real, right? And so to be a light to the world means that we walk with one another all in and gospel-saturated community that shines as a light to the community around us. One of the favorite things I love to hear, by the way, of feedback for folks who are new to our church is this. When I walked into this place, it felt real. People were being authentic. People were being transparent. Some of you are shaking your head. That's what drew you in. That's that's the light of the gospel, isn't it? Gospel-saturated community. And we also need to think about what it means to live the mission in our every Day lives. Listen to me, church. The church exists to rescue people, not complete projects. People are not projects. They're not events, and they're not trips. Mission is a lifestyle. It's not a trip we take. But wait a second, I thought we just heard about going on a mission trip. Yeah, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the way we live our mission here in this life, just going to the Philippines and doing the same thing that we already do. Because if you think that mission is a trip, you're gonna miss it. And, And people are gonna become your project, your thing to do. Listen, church, people are the mission. Like, we've been called to take the hope of the gospel To people and if people who are sitting in darkness are going to be attracted to the church we're going to have to go there. Think about it. We can't just put up more banners down the street and hope that it calls people out of darkness. We can't do enough mailers to get people to come out of the darkness. You are the light of the world not this building, not the steeple, not the banners, not any marketing ploy that we could ever devise. God says, "No, no, no. You are the light of the world. And if the light is going to shine into the darkness, you got to go there." And it's not a trip you do once a year. It's your every day life. You and I are the light of the world. We live our lives all in, living missionally, intentionally, serving as the conduit of light to those who are living in darkness. I want to sum it up this way. We think about what it means to be a church all in. To be all in in worship means that we exalt Jesus with everything that we are all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. When people walk into this place, they encounter the glory of God and his goodness and the goodness of the gospel just lingers in the air. And we leave no room for speculation about who our first love is. People know. To be all in in community means that we live liberated By the gospel to walk in full transparency with one another and sacrificial service towards one another. The world will know we belong to Jesus by the way that we abide in covenant relationship with one another. John chapter 13, the world will know you're mine by the way you do what? Love one another. Gospel-saturated biblical community will let everybody out there know that you're mine. And when they know that you're mine, it's gonna attract them to me. To be all in in our missional lives means that we live with gospel intentionality in all arenas of life: work, home, neighborhood, kids, sports, kids' activities, grocery store, gas station, coffee, coffee place, the haircut place, the barber shop, etc., cetera, etc. You are always the light to the world. Right? You don't just flip that switch on when you find somebody to be your project right? You're living as a light to the world in every arena of life. Now, here's the good news. We're seeing evidence of this all over the place right now as a church. Uh, Last Sunday, I had Nick come up and just share a few examples of how we as a church are becoming truly all in and becoming a light to the world around us. But listen to me, church. We aren't there yet. God has not called us to a a 24-month journey. He's not called us to raise money for a building. He's called us to be a light to the world. As long as you have breath and life, God is calling you to this mission. Until Christ returns, he's calling Solid Rock Church to this mission. In order to fully become the beacon of light that God has called us to be in this community, The former things must pass away and new things must come. What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. We have to be willing to leave behind the facade of having it all together. That does not draw people to the hope in Christ. Pretending to have it together does not attract people to Jesus. It might attract them to you for a minute until they realize you're phony, but it will not attract them to Christ. We've got to be willing to leave that behind. We've gotta be willing to leave behind the masquerade of being righteous in our own strength. You understand how defeating that is to somebody who's in darkness? When we pretend like we have the strength within us to have it all together and to be righteous in our own strength, and then we look over at somebody in darkness and say, what's your problem? Get it together. You understand how defeating that is? You did not become righteous on your own strength. God took you by the hand. God keeps you in righteousness. We've gotta be willing to tear down the walls that we've built up to protect ourselves from the pain and the shame of our past. Until we do these things, we will never fully be the light that God has called us to be as a church. So let me just make sure we're clear. When we talk about being a light of the world, we're not talking about building a bigger building. That is simply a box. There's no hope that comes out of that box. Unless we surrender our hearts all in, we will never be a light to this world. So where are you at? Are you ready? Are we ready? Are we ready to take that next step away from, hey, we just raised money for 24 months, look at us, to, hey, let's do this. God, where do you want me to go? All in. All in in my worship all-in in biblical community, all-in and living this mission in my everyday lives. God, I'm ready to go all stinking in. Are we ready? I want to leave you with that thought and that question. Are we ready to go all-in in in Jesus-exalting worship, gospel-saturated community, and living intentionally the mission of God in our everyday lives? We're going to watch in just a second... um, just an all-in overview video. And, um, and many of you have seen this before. It's not new. Um, you're going to see what we're planning on, you know, the building and all that kind of stuff. But I want you to understand we're doing that. I want you to listen to the words that are being spoken, okay? Because it's so easy to get distracted from this mission of God to think that the building is the mission, and we can't. You with me? I mean, we're going to be breaking ground soon, we have to establish this in our hearts that this is about people and not projects and not buildings. And so we're going to watch this video, just an overview of what God's calling us to do. Um, some of you may be the first time you've seen this. Um, but here's what I want you to understand. As we watch this video, I want you to think about your own heart and where you are. Um, and then after the video is over, our worship team will be up here leading us in response. And our, our prayer partners will be um, at the front, on either side, and at the back. If God's stirring in your heart today is something that, that you just you want somebody to pray with you about it, would you come grab a prayer partner while we're singing? Like, that's not odd. We expect that to happen. Just slip out of your chair. Say, hey, will you pray for me? This is what's going on. Uh, We've got prayer and counseling rooms that'll be available. Um, You may be here today and and for the first time you realize that you've been walking in darkness and you have not trusted in the hope of Christ. And and so today is that day for you. And so I want to encourage you to grab a prayer partner and talk with them. Let them pray with you about what it means to trust Christ as your savior and receive the forgiveness of sins that it can only come from him. So let's pray together and then we're gonna watch this video and we'll respond. Um, Father, we thank you for this powerful vision that you gave the nation of Israel that you were gonna send a suffering servant to bring a new covenant to the earth. And this new covenant would take people by the hand and walk them into righteousness and keep them there. God, we stand here today because we have received the grace and the goodness of Jesus. But God, we know that what you've done in our lives, you also desire to do through our lives. Father, each of us sits here today because you have drawn us into your church through the gospel. And God, I pray that we could understand our role now to go into this world and to be a light to the nations. So Father, now as we watch this video, we think about who we are to be as your church, God, would you convict our hearts? Would you call us to surrender? Father, we ask for your spirit to move through this room to convict our hearts, to encourage us, to heal us, to to work in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' powerful name.